Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Steelers show. Special guest today, so let's pay the bills first. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. We're into the conference championship games. Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, Lions. If you want to place a bet on any of the action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome into Believe in Steelers. I'm Mark Bergen, joined by special guest today. Today, and we've had him here on the Believe in Steelers show in the past. He covers the Pitt Panthers for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He is also the host of the Locked On Steelers podcast. Welcome in, Christopher Carter. Chris, good to see you. Good to see you as well, Mark. Glad to be back on the show. It's been too many moons, and I'm going to leave this very open-ended to start our discussion tonight. Mike Tomlin talking with reporters, media members last week. There's a lot of takeaways. He was very candid in speaking with reporters. But if there was one thing you could take away from what he said last week, what would that be? We'll go from there. Ooh, one thing to take away. Um, I think he had an honest assessment of – where things were for a lot of people and including the, the, the leaders on the team, the quarterback situation. I, I think, okay, I'll, I'll go with this. When asked about the quarterback situation, he said, Hey, Kenny Pickett, Yep. He's the starter, but, and he threw that butt in there very quickly, but he's going to have competition. And that competition could be Mason Rudolph. It could be any number of free agents. It could be a rookie draft pick. I think it could be a mix of both. Um, but it is clear that Mike Tomlin, he is he has to walk the wire when you're a coach. And it's funny, I was just talking with Jeff Capel, Pitt basketball's head coach, about this. But you have to walk a wire where you your part of your job as a coach is to make sure that your players believe in themselves. Tell them the truth, coach them hard, but make sure that like at the end of the day, your job is to make sure their confidence you know, has a chance to go up. And part of that could also be you know getting in their face and grilling them and doing stuff like that. But every coach has their their different way of doing that. Mike Tomlin isn't going to come out and say, man, Kenny Pickett stinks. Get him out of here. But he's going to, and he's going to say, hey, like, you know, we believe in Kenny Pickett. You know, if you're, if you're the head coach, you got to, you got to say that about the quarterback that you want to become your starter and to, you know, or earn, earn the starting job back. Or I guess he didn't lose it, but you get my point. You want, you want him to develop into a franchise quarterback, but you also can't pigeonhole yourself until, well, he's just our guy. We're going to, because then you send mixed messages. Then if he gets replaced, then it's like, well, you promised me something. And the way that he addressed the media tells me that Mike Tomlin has not promised Kenny Pickett anything other than you will have the opportunity to prove that you are still the starter of this football team in 2024. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And let me see, let me kind of walk you through how I think this plays out. So I think you exercise the out with Mitch Trubisky, which will be about four million bucks. But I just yep. don't see any upside in keeping him in the room in a Agreed. premium for a third string role. I think you try to bring Mason Rudolph back on the cheap, but there's no doubt about the fact that he's going to make more than the league minimum. It's just a matter of how much. I would try to say, hey, the money we're allocating to Mitch, we can pay you maybe a two year contract worth about ten million dollars total. How does that sound? But what is his value relative to the other teams with the four starts that he made at the back half of the season? Because even in a four-game sample size, in my opinion, he was the Steelers' best quarterback. And then with Pickett, it's like, even if you're Kenny's biggest fan, 
two seasons now where he hasn't been able to get through the course of the whole season healthy. And then a sophomore year where he only throws six touchdown passes. Like I know a lot of that is coaching. And that's the reason why you fire Matt Canada mid season, something the Steelers haven't done with a coach or coordinator since the world war II era in 1941. But I think you'd probably start next season with Pickett as QB one for maybe the first four, first eight games and see where we're at from there. But I think it's really going to be contingent upon, can you bring Mason Rudolph back on the cheap on a team friendly deal? I agree. Uh, and and you're right. I'm not sure he, he, he takes a team friendly deal. I mean, like, I think it'll be friendly in the sense that it won't bankrupt the Steelers if he took it, but it won't be like, he's going to go explore and he's going to go see what he can get. Uh, from other NFL teams, which last year was nothing. And and you know what? You know, Mason Ruff didn't have much of a track record to prove that he deserved. You know, and he even admitted, like, he was like, hey, like, you know, I, I was considering commercial real estate. <laughs> like, 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 he told us that straight up after the Bengals game. And I, I think that now with three really good games as a, as a good game-managing quarterback that were essentially playoff games, the Steelers lose any of those, they're out the playoffs. Uh, and then not a, like a good playoff game, but a gutsy one where he hung in there. He made tough throws against a really good Bills team. Um, I think someone's going to go look, look at that and say, that's good number two. And if he can get eight to $10 million, someone might might throw a bag at him like that. He'll take that and run away with it. I don't, I'm not sure if the Steelers would pay him that much. They might pay him like five to seven, maybe five to eight. Like I like, like squeeze that in there and make it maybe like a two year deal where it builds up or something. But I think that's the dilemma the Steelers are under is if someone else comes calling Mason and he has every right to go goes off with that. Um, the only thing that might save that is if you're Mason Rudolph, you think, well, I do know these guys and I do know these receivers, these tight ends, this offensive line. And there is a built confidence around me. Whereas if I go somewhere else, there's no one who has my back. And that might be the one thing that makes him want to stick around. Um, and I think it would be healthy for the Steelers if he did stick around because I think he did a good job managing the team in those last three games. Uh, and it should be an honest quarterback competition, whether it's Rudolph, Pickett, and a rookie or another vet or whoever. Have him come in. And if he earns it in camp, he earns it in camp and he starts. And then you see, see where it goes from there. But you don't hide it. Kenny Pickett from competition. It's it's He has to go up and prove that he's the starter in this upcoming camp. The moment you get to about $10 million per season with Rudolph, which is where I'm like, uh, you're paying a premium because yeah. I look at Trubisky. They paid him something about $8 million this past year. He was the 28th highest paid quarterback in the league this past season. Mm -hmm. And you didn't get that premium backup when Pickett goes down. That's what you were paying Trubisky for. And that yeah. was this frustration. And like everyone's like, well, Tomlin didn't move off off Trubisky fast enough to get to Rudolph. And I'm like, look, I can point to 8 million reasons why, because yeah. Rudolph came back on the cheap a little bit more than a million dollars league minimum this past season, you mm -hmm. were paying Trubisky a premium. So then your third string quarterbacks making 8 million a year is the 28th highest paid quarterback in the league. Like get out of here. Yeah. Like that, that money, money is a big factor in this. And also, like, let's be real. Mr. Bisky also gave some gutsy performances for the Steelers last year. Like when P mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett got hurt, he helped them fight through some tough games. I want to say the the Bucks game, the Saints game, definitely the Panthers game. Uh, and if he doesn't come through in those moments, the Steelers might finish with a losing record last season. Um, and he he, I think he deserved a chance to prove himself. But I, I think this is also part of Mike Tomlin 
and part of what does make him a, a good coach, Mike Tomlin doesn't bail on guys when they make him look bad. You know, like like even when Mason Rudolph in in that Ravens game, uh, you know, within in the monsoon, Mason Rudolph wasn't having a good game for a bit. Mike Tomlin never wavered, never said, "Hey, Kenny, go warm up" or anything like that. Gave him his chance, and sure enough, fourth quarter, bang, Rudolph hits hits the slant to Deontay, and it's a touchdown. And it's like that's what I get for banking on my guy. He banked on Mason Rudolph, just like he banked on Mitch Trubisky, just like he banked on Kenny Pickett. He believes in his guys, and that's what your job is as a head coach to give them that opportunity. And you see it, it with George Pickens. George Pickens just all, all national attention on he won't block, and he's an attitude, and this, that, and the third. And he was just like, I'm talking to him. It's fine. And then George Pickens gives him like what. 300 plus yards and two in back-to-back games showing everyone like, Hey, he, he is that guy. He just has to grow up a little bit. Um, I think that's just who Mike Tomlin is. If not Pittsburgh, what are some potential landing spots for Mason Rudolph? You know, I, I hadn't thought about that. I kind of have to see how free agency like shakes out, like who, you know, cause other, other teams are going to make their cuts. Um, a- any team that want, that has a young quarterback and needs a veteran, like, um, like just thinking out loud here, I'm thinking like maybe Atlanta, depending on who they bring in other yeah. than just Mason Rudolph, like Mason Rudolph wouldn't be the Falcons only quarterback acquisition, but seeing what happens with the, from a draft standpoint and then free agency somewhere where he has the potential to start, that would just be one team I would throw out there where on paper, it's like, wh- where's an area where potentially he could start where it's like, I don't think there's going to be a team in the league where it's like, Yes, he's the guy. He's QB no. one. You'd have to win a competition of some sort. No, I agree. Like, it's been a competition thing, but I even think it'll be also be people just want stability at their backup quarterback spot for like a young quarterback, like a Carolina Panthers with Bryce Young in that situation, mm. you know, or uh, you know, Gardner Minshew's a free agent. The Colts with Anthony Richardson, if he goes down and gets hurt, Shane Steichen's gonna be like, hey, I can get. What if I can get? Uh, Mason Rudolph to, to, to work here. Um, you know, I, I think there, there's, there's a number of places for a solid backup number two quarterback. There's always a job for that. So if anything, I, I think Mason Rudolph, he'll he'll either have a job with the Steelers or he'll have a job with someone. Um, and I think that's one of those tough things because, like, I don't necessarily pay attention to which teams have the best number two quarterbacks, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. But there's always a need for that. If I had to guess, right. if I had to guess – he would be back in a Steelers uniform. But again, it goes back to how much is he worth and then how much is another team willing to pay? Mm. And certainly he's earned himself some money. Like this is not going to be like last off season where it's like, oh, league minimum, I guess I'll come back to Pittsburgh because he tested the waters and there just wasn't a whole lot there. I do think he'll wind back up in Pittsburgh. We'll see how that shakes out in the off season. Any final thoughts about the quarterback then then? We can move on to a few other topics, Chris. Just that I do think the Steelers will explore the quarterback position in the draft because if, especially if they can get Mason Rudolph or a veteran that they trust, uh, like a, like a Terod Taylor even, just someone who they know has, is battle-tested in the NFL and can push Kenny Pickett to at least give a standard NFL performance at quarterback. If they can find that guy in, in free agency or just bring back Mason Rudolph, I anticipate the Steelers maybe use a third, fourth, maybe a fifth round pick at quarterback to get another young, young quarterback in there, a young arm who they can develop. And if Kenny Pickett doesn't work out, maybe that guy's the next bridge quarterback before you take your next big shot at the position. But uh, I, I can foresee that being part of the plan moving forward. I've been saying that for weeks and if Kenny Pickett can't handle it and by his demeanor, Agreed. I think, yeah, I think he will be able to, but We've seen other teams do this. The Eagles did it with Jalen Hurts. 
moving off Carson Wentz. The 49ers mm-hmm. moved off Trey Lance in the third pick with Brock Purdy. The Cowboys did it with Dak Prescott back in the day. So I'm not saying abandon ship with Kenny Pickett quite yet because you did spend that draft capital with the 20th overall pick a year, well, two years mm-hmm. ago now. But we'll see. We'll see how this shakes out. The quarterback carousel is one of my absolute favorite things in free agency. So it will be fun to watch. But speaking of Steelers offense as well, Chris, the offensive coordinator search. And it was music to my ears to hear that the Steelers are finally going to hire from outside the organization. Again, we could take this in a number of directions. Who should the Steelers target? Why should they target that that person? Um, in an ideal world, if we gave you the keys to the Cadillac, who are you calling up on the phone first to try to become the Steelers' new, new OC? Well, we know that they're calling Zach uh, was Zach Robinson, uh, the, uh, the passing coordinator for the Rams. That's an interesting inter- interview there. I think that I, I need to know a few things first. One, Eric Bieniemy is someone that I am trying to talk to. Uh, I know he's still under contract with the Commanders, mm-hmm. but with you know the the changes that they're going to be going through there, maybe he wants out, or there or, or there there could be something orchestrated to bring him over. I, I think this. I think the Steelers really need an offensive coordinator who knows how to run a room, knows how to talk to a quarterback and can get everyone pointed in the right direction because that was Matt Canada's biggest weakness. Everyone want to talk about play calls and this, that, and the third. But to me, the biggest thing was week to week, nobody was sure what the goal, what, why the, why the plan was, what it was to get to the goal to score a touchdown. Like, like there was not a, a full hundred percent belief in like, Hey, like I know that this is our play, but like, I don't understand like how to go my through my progressions if I'm Kenny Pickett or the offensive line not being sure like wow, when to get to the second level, when to be aggressive, those type of things. And you need someone to be pointed in doing that. And you want an experienced person who's been an OC, not just a not just a, a a position coach who you think can emerge into a play caller. Unless you think that's the move you want to make, I think the Steelers would behoove themselves to get an experienced offensive coordinator and then try to find one of those other guys who want to be an offensive assistant, who wants a quarterback coach or a a passing game coordinator who they can bring in and say, hey, you are going to be responsible for working closely with Kenny Pickett and this receiving crew and making sure that they're firing on all cylinders and contributing to the overall game plan that's organized by Biennemi, Kellen Moore, you know, whoever is the experienced offensive coordinator that they've brought in. That, I think, would be the ideal situation. But – if the Steelers want to get young and innovative and bring in one of like, you know, again, uh, Robinson, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a McVeighite, you know, he's from that, he's from that coaching tree. You want to go, you want to dip into that, that pool of people. I'm not against that at all. I think that, that would be a fine move. Uh, but I, I feel like just for the way that they've gone things, you don't want as much of an experiment at the OC position. You want someone who's been proved, has a proven track record of bringing success. Yeah, let me talk about Bienemy and then I'll get to Robinson really quickly. Let me start with Bienemy and if you have any thoughts, hop in, Chris. Sure. He eventually will become a head coach. It's honestly, I'm tired of talking about the storyline of, oh, he interviewed this, then he should have a head coaching job and all of that. Washington is essentially a blank canvas with new ownership. I know Bob yeah. Myers is coming over from the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I don't know if they'll keep Eric Bienemy there with Ron Rivera fired, the head coach. Bienemy, though, 37 pass attempts, he ran the ball fewest of any team in the league. And that's not really the Steelers' MO with 
Najee and Jalen Warren on with the ground game and establishing that setting up play action. So that to me would need to be, if you bring in Eric B and just what his philosophy has been with the points that they put up in Kansas city. And then what he did with Sam Howell this past season in Washington, it would just be a contrast from what the Steelers have done. Um, so that's where I'm at with the enemy uh, with Robinson, the thing, and they say, well, Canada had facets of, you know, a McVeigh or a Shanahan offense with what, in my opinion, was wasted motion. And here's what I mean by this. And this was a change in a, in a difference that I noticed when any Faulkner and Mike Sullivan took over as you know, play caller and interim OC respectively was the motion wasn't always wasted motion because under Canada's offense, the moment a motion man went by the quarterback and wasn't getting it on an end round, number one, the ball's not going to that player. Number two, the ball's probably going in the opposite direction. And if we can pick this up watching the games each week, Chris, I can't even imagine what it's like for opposing defenses that have been able to scout the Steelers a full week in advance. So people will be like, well, Canada had elements of Shanahan and, and, and McVay. And it's just like, mm, no, not really, sort of, but not really. And that's why he lost his job midseason because point blank period, they weren't getting it done. First game, they get a 400-yard game. It wasn't perfect with the interims, but I do think it was better than what we saw with Matt Canada. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts about my thoughts. Hop in here. No, no, listen, Matt Canada, like the, the, the he deserved to be fired for what was going on there. Um, I, I thought some of the wasted motion was also part of the process of not choosing the right receivers to throw to with the quarterbacks. And, and there were times where the guy who was in motion was the guy that was open. And why didn't you throw to him? And like, like there was yeah. plenty of times where it was like, how, like, like if, if you probably remember the Brown, the second Browns game, they're in the red zone. And Kenny Pickett drops back. Deontay Johnson runs the slant. And no one runs with him. Like it was the perfectly called play, wide open. Hit him, hit him five yards in front of you, literally in the middle part of the field. He walks into the end zone. They score a touchdown. Probably win the game, which puts which puts an entire different spin on the season. Canada also probably doesn't get fired, which means who knows what the heck happens after that, you know. But like that moment right there, I was just like, did, did he's completely lost. Kenny Pickett is, and that's where I again I point to the biggest weakness of Canada was coming into the week. Hey, guys, this is what the Browns do. This is how we're going to attack them. We're going through all these different – these are our calls. These are our switches. These are our hots. Let's work on them this week. Let's go. And that's what Eddie Faulkner was able to get done, was, was able to say, hey, this is the plan this week. There's no questions about it. Attack. And that gave the Steelers their surge with Mason Rudolph. Um, and, and Matt Canada, the, the things that I've come to understand about his past in college, it was – look, he had – schematics that made total sense and were even somewhat innovative. There's someone pointed out um, there was a week where both Sam Laporta and George Kittle caught wheel route touchdown passes down the sideline that were really well drawn up and got them wide open. And someone said, man, Matt Kennedy would never call that play. And then the person who posted it, I said, actually, they, they kind of got it from him because they the Steelers used this against the Bengals last year. And we hadn't really seen this, the, the way this one was used like that too often. So um, so again, Matt Canada had some schematic ideas, but I don't think he had, a, he, I think his biggest problem was trying to get everyone on the same page. And that's the point of an offensive coordinator is to coordinate, to get people on the stage. It's not just calling the plays. It's not just, that's why like Eric, Eric Bieniemy when he was with the chiefs and people were like, well, Andy Reid calls the plays. Yeah. But Eric Bieniemy setting up the room. And that's where I think 
there could be an asset there. And that's what they, that, I think that's the biggest thing people need. Pe- people, uh, the Steelers need right now is a person who will control that room and kind of be the person that Tama doesn't have to worry about, you know, who's, 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 who's in charge with the, with the offense. Like Todd Haley was like, that's the, that's, that's the fact, the fact of the matter is their last two hires were from within the organization, but let's be real. Uh, Randy Feekner was a Ben Roethlisberger decision that came that that was, he, he wanted his guy. Why would you not listen to Ben Roethlisberger there? And Matt Canada, I believe was because, they was in a position where what offensive coordinator wanted to co- coach old man Ben Roethlisberger for one last year and potentially, you know, be on the outs because Tomlin's contract situation wasn't totally solidified. Mm. So I think that they were in a bit of a hole and they said, well, let's give this guy a shot. We hired and brought him in and then it just failed miserably. Um, but this, I think this is like, okay, let's get back to getting someone in here. It's not an experiment and they're getting a clean slate. They know they got some offensive line talent. They got some running backs. They got some playmakers that your job, if you're, if you want to be the next, a big head coach, turn Kenny Pickett into a respectable NFL quarterback or whoever the Steelers quarterback is next year and make this offense go from rank 28th to like top 15. Do that. And and I think that their offensive coordinators would be interested in that job. Absolutely. And this is assuming they extend Tomlin's contract, which by all reports and indications, that's going going to happen. happen. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the enemy too, and this is not hindsight 2020, but after the Super Bowl win against the Eagles last year, go back and look at reports of motion that the Chiefs utilized to recognize mm-hmm. coverage discrepancies mm-hmm. against the Eagles. Who was it? No, it wasn't Mahomes. It wasn't Re- it was Eric Bieniemy who noticed those things, and they scored two touchdowns. If you go back and watch the tape from that game, that was Eric Bieniemy, and it's no secret that the Chiefs' offense struggled at least during the regular season. We'll see how they fare in the AFC championship game if they advance on to the Super Bowl. But the way that the Chiefs are winning games this year, much different than yep. in seasons past, Chris. A, a much, much different. Important. And that's it, it's the defense, but it's also a lot of it's the absence of Eric Bieniemy at the offensive coordinator position mm-hmm. for the Kansas City Chiefs. I agree. I agree. And that was one thing that I think I think Eric Bieniemy, even though the offense at Washington didn't like take off or anything. I think this was a bit of a vindication for him because people realize, oh, it was a little bit better. Now, granted, it also helps when you have, you know, a little, a few better weapons than, you know, Justin Watkins and and, and guys that they have behind Travis Kelsey. But certainly, I think Eric Bieniemy has kind of, we can kind of see that guy is, um, that, that guy's kind of earned his his respect. And I think that someone else is going to give him a shot. If the Steelers give him a shot, I think it would be uh, warranted, to say the least. Any other names Steelers fans should keep an eye on when it comes to the search for a new OC? Um, so one guy that I popped that, that I've that I've continued to mention um, is uh, uh, Kellen Moore. He's the Chargers' offensive coordinator. He was most recently with the uh, the Cowboys before then under McCarthy. And about three of those four years, he had a top ten offense. And uh, you know, not that he's uh, some, uh, but I, not he's some, some super genius. But I think he's a guy who he's worked with multiple veteran quarterbacks. He knows how to organize a room. He has mod- he has in- inklings of modern offenses. That's what that that can that can be part of something that you uh, that that you bring in, and it would be a different look. It'd be a younger coach. It could be a different kind of guy that leads that. Um, I think that that could be that's another name that you know. Shane Waldron's now be heading to uh, the, the Bears, so. Um, he's off, he's off the market, uh, supposedly. Um, but, uh, I, I think that there's, there's, there's some options there, you know, again, Clint Kubiak's an obvious one that everyone's going to talk about. And not, I'm not against, I'm not against the Clint Kubiak comes from a good system is doing really good things, um, with Kyle Shanahan. 
Um, Daryl Bevel uh, would would be an, would be another one to bring in there. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn, Mike McCoy, guys like that. They're they're around, but the question will be when they bring them in. You know, what is the look of these guys? And, and the Steelers also have to be prepared for like, you know, you bring one of these guys in, you also need to bring in the next potentially the next guy because this offensive staff needs to evolve in the way that it it thinks. And the Steelers have always believed in uh, too many cooks in the kitchen spoils the soup, right? And they've they've wanted to keep their staff smaller because you know it, it's able to you're able to get more done in a room with less people, so so to say. But um, Steelers are in a position where I think that 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 model isn't helping them right now. They need more eyes, more ears, more brains to put together the plans and communications and things that they need to get this offense humming. That means not just an offensive coordinator. I think they might need a new quarterback coach. I think they keep Eddie Faulkner. Um, but if they get an offensive line coach, what about a run game coordinator? They Even if they get a receiver and a quarterbacks coach, get a pass game coordinator or make sure that whoever you get to fill either of those positions is your pass game coordinator. Um, and get a person in there who's young and innovative with your offensive coordinator so that if the, if things are popping off and that and that and that in your OC after two years, say, let's say Kenny Pickett is turns into a pro bowl. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but let's say, let's say your offensive coordinator is that successful. They're going to get a head coaching job. That's just the way of the NFL. You need to be prepared to keep that ship afloat and have someone else in there that you have confidence in to rise up the ranks. So it won't just be the OC hire. It'll be who that OC is bringing in with them. That could be a, a quick riser for the Steelers if the offense does, were to take off. Chris, I want to live in that world because, and the reason I say that is like, initially it's like, well, if they hire a young hot shot coordinator and he gets hired away, let's have that. That is a yes. good yeah. problem Absolutely. to have. Absolutely. Good problem to have. Najee Harris, they have to decide between now and May 2nd, whether to pick up his fifth year option. He'd be designated to make about 6.6 6 million in the 2025 season. This one's tough for me because he's a professional. He stays healthy. He doesn't fumble the ball. I understand to start his career, Alfred Morris was the last player to have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. But the flip side I see is like, okay, four yards, 4.1 yards per carry this past season. His longest rush in his NFL career is 37 yards. He's a chain mover. He's not going to take one the distance from 50, 60 yards out. I'm very conflicted on this, but like, if I'm being honest here, Chris, just the value position of a running back in the NFL, I think you could replace that level of production with another back to complement Jalen Warren. And I will say this too, if you don't pick up Najee's fifth year option for 2025 and then 2024 becomes a contract season, maybe that raises Najee's level of play. But what say you, how would you handle this? Or how will the Steelers handle this from Najee Harris's contract standpoint? From everything I've heard, they're going to they're going to extend him. They're going to sign the fifth year extension, particularly because it's not just what he brings on the field. It's that, that this guy's a leader. Like you know, there's so many times where you know things weren't going right. Like Kenny Pickett took a hit, and the first person to get to him was Najee. Like, come on, Kenny, let's go. Uh, you know, th- there were t- there was a time at the end of the Rams game where Tuukka Korfor is just 
mouthing off, doing something stupid, and almost gets a penalty, like getting into it with a Rams play. And you can even see some of the Rams defense, like trying to egg him on to do something stupid so the Steelers get a penalty. It stops the clock, and then the kneeling out doesn't work. And who gets in the way? You see Najee Harris getting between them and just point to go, like get out of here. Like he has, he has the leadership and respect of the locker room that – I think that that is a big factor. I also think that Najee Harris, like if, if we're being honest about, you know, the, the the yards per carry and the things and the numbers and everything, he hasn't had a good offensive line yet. That's fair. Like 2021, I mean, Kendrick Green was the set. Like like that 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 was the 2022 was below average offensive line. This was a year where I think that this was the closest you could say was an average line. And that's because Broderick Jones was placed in midway through the season and he brought some, some energy to the group, but they still weren't consistent. Mason Cole was terrible this year. Brett Dan Moore was terrible this year. Sayamalu started slow, picked up and got better throughout the rest of the season. James Daniels was solid. So you got a rookie who was raw, but good. You have a good veteran at one position and a decent veteran in another. And then two bad players. Like, there wasn't much chances for Najee Harris to break things off. He broke as many tackles this year as Raheem Mostert for the Dol- for the Dolphins. The difference was Raheem Mostert had a viable passing attack that made that made it so no one could pay attention to him as much as, you know, Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddell. Um, and, and also had an offensive line that I think was a little bit more, a uh, little bit more together. Uh, but when, when I look at Najee Harris, man, I see a guy who you, you give him that. He's 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 viable. He is healthy. He's strong. Um, and I think you're still only seeing the tip of the iceberg with him. And I, I've said I said this last year. I said his the, the, his first three year numbers are very similar to Marshawn Lynch and Derrick Henry's, who both started with not good offensive lines, were kind of figured things out. And all it took was a little bit of a passing game and a little bit of an upgrade on the offensive line. And both those guys took off. I mean, Ryan Tannehill made the difference for the Titans. Derrick Henry became King Henry. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, go look at his numbers when he, when, when he, from when he started to when he blew up. Uh, I'm not saying that Dodge is going to be Derrick Henry or Marshawn Lynch, but I could see him making the steps up that make like when you give him a, a better offensive line, I think the Steelers need to get a center and another tackle right or left, and then figure out who's, who's where at the end of at the, at the, at the training camp and have a kick butt offensive line, have a passing attack. That's solid. And efficient doesn't have to be elite, doesn't have to be top 10, just make it solid and efficient, not bottom of the league. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren will be a deadly duo next year with those two things added to the Steelers offense. That's why you sign him to extension. That's why you keep him around. And I think if he does well next year and you have that fifth year extension on, you get that you you extend him for about two, three more years after that at a reasonable price. So it's not killing your team. But I think that you can live. Le'Veon Bell wasn't a home run hitter but he was dangerous and it was because he could keep hitting you and keep hitting you all season long. And imagine those Steelers in the 2010s with a healthy Le'Veon Bell, the way that Najee Harris has been healthy for most of his career. Several things here, Chris, um, sure. the leadership, let's start there. He was a captain before this past season. Then you had, mm-hmm. you got to give it to the QB with Kenny Pickett. So it's yeah. like, in terms of the leadership there, I think that speaks volumes in terms of what he brings to the locker room how he comports himself professionally too. That's not what I'm talking about in any criticism that I have of Najee. Harris. Yeah, sure. Um, you mentioned the tackle positions too. Dan Moore Jr. Entering the final year of his deal. You're paying him only about $2 million. So even if he's say substandard as a tackle, that is tremendous contract value for a player oh, yeah. who will make more money um, further down the line. 
But I also want you to think about this too, is if Najee Harris had outright made the Pro Bowl as a rookie, remember he was an alternate, instead of that 6.6 million figure for 2025, it would be about 10.1 million. We're having a much, much different conversation right now. It would be. Yeah, we would be. That would that would be kind of crazy to think about that. And you know, 10.1 million, that that is tough, especially on a team where you're doing a lot of rebuilding. You want to make other signings. But at 6.6 right now, I think that that is a great number that, that Omar Khan will happily lock down. And, and here's another thing. Let's see how he performs next year. And if the offensive line does take steps forward um, or if there's a whole new direction to the offense, because that's the other thing. If someone comes in as an offensive coordinator and all of a sudden this becomes a good passing offense, not saying it's going to happen, but again, let's say that we're exploring all the possibilities and the run game becomes less important, then you might not need an Najee Harris. Maybe you say, hey, you know what? He's not the focal point. We don't need to pay him as much. We will we'll keep Jalen Warren and go get some guy in the draft uh, after, after that. Um, but I think right now with the way that they're building, the way that they've wanted this team to become, I think that Najee Harris is is a very important part of that. Also, uh, while he doesn't have you know 50 yard runs, he does have the fourth most 15 yard runs in the NFL this year, only behind McCaffrey, Gibbs, and Henry on the season. I see what you're doing there, Chris. And I know since he came into the league week nine and on, he has like the most yards week nine and on since he came to the NFL in the 2021 season. And we'll see. Like I said, I mean, if how all of this plays out, you could kind of see some inklings about this when they were trying to work out Saquon Barkley's deal. And it was like, man, this is going to be a tough negotiation. And again, yep. it's not Najee as a player. It's just the positional value of running backs in mm-hmm. the NFL. Agreed. It's a in tough spot. NFL. Few other things I want to get to Chris, and we will wrap up here. Um, several Steelers are entering contract seasons in 2024. I wanted to ask you which player it was most important for because, I mean, you could go Deontay Johnson, you could go Cam Hayward. Take this in any direction, and I'll piggyback from there. <laughs> um, I'd have to think about, think about that throughout, throughout the whole list of guys who would be free agents next year. So Patrick so, Peterson, Patrick Demonte Casey. I guess Deontay Johnson is, the big, is a big question. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he's the sure signing because here's the other thing. I kind of anticipate the Steelers to pick a receiver early in this upcoming draft class. And why? Because Deontay Johnson next year will make 15.8 million against mm-hmm. the cap, right? He is not under contract after that. And George Pickens will be coming up soon to get paid. Mm-hmm. And if you're the Steelers, you might not be able to afford to keep both of those guys. Probably won't. So you might be in a position where, hey, Deontay, sorry, man. You trade, you, 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 you let you let him hit free agency. Or, or you trade him this year. That's another thing. You could trade Deontay Johnson this year and then try to get recoup that talent in the draft. George Pickens, your number one. Roll with that in any way you will. I don't think that you will because Deontay Johnson's route running ability is still too important to this offense and will help whatever quarterback uh, starts next year. Um, but I, I think that that's going to be a tough decision to handle because you want to keep George Pickens long-term. I think that he's showing all the, the, all the no tools. No doubt. No doubt. So, how you keep Deontay Johnson or how you move on from Deontay Johnson uh, could prove vital for the Steelers hopes to, to keep the balance, the keep the team afloat. Um, I wonder if um, I wonder if this, you know, how the Steelers try to make other guys work. Cam Hayward uh, is a $22.4 million cap hit uh, next season. 
Uh, it's the final year of his deal. He says he wants to keep playing. He says he doesn't want to retire. Would he take an extension? Would he take a, like a two-year extension or a one-year extension where you can add on some void years and spread that money down the line a little bit so that you could be a little bit more aggressive in free agency? Um, you know, I think that's a that's that's a legitimate question uh, if you're uh, if if you're the Steelers. Um, I think that uh, if you're looking at other guys, you know, Pat Fryermuth is another guy who, you know, his his contract's going to be coming up soon and i think that pat fryermuth at the rate that you pay tight ends in this nfl and the way he hasn't become a premier tight end yet you can get him at a great price and then he's a primary weapon for your offense for the next four years for with whoever's your quarterback they would target him chris yeah that's another point that's another thing that you need this oc to do is to say hey that dude exists throw yeah. a football especially down the middle part of the field I think it's no doubt you'd want to keep Pickens over Deontay, though, because to me, with Mason Rudolph's success this last year, it's like, well, what's the biggest difference between 2023 and 2019? It's like one team had George Pickens and one team did not. Like it's it's an oversimplification, but if I could explain that very quickly, that's what I would point out to people. No, I think that's a that's a very good way to put it. Um, I think it's accurate, and I think it's also. You know, as bad as Matt Canada was at organizing the offense, these playmakers knew who knew who they were. Whereas in 2019, without Ben Roethlisberger, that team was like, "Oh crap, what what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to look like?" And I also I've said this before, like years ago, Randy Feekner. Imagine you you get hired for a job and you're told, "You buddy, you get Ben Roethlisberger. He's killing it right now. You get Le'Veon Bell. You get Antonio Brown. You get Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith-Schuster. You are ready to rock, sir." And then, like within two years, all of them are gone. Like, like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, just poof. And it's just like, what 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 happened? You know, I just um, I I feel I feel like that's something that should be taken into consideration, too, is that that's also what Mason Rudolph was dealing with the first time around was that yeah. that offense, you know, was designed in 2018 when he was first drafted to work with Le'Veon Bell. And in 2019, they knew they would they didn't have uh, Brown or Bell, but needed to find that identity. And Ben Roethlisberger was supposed to be the guy who was supposed to lead you into that. And you couldn't this year. While I, whereas they were, st- were still searching for their identity, you had a player like Najee Harris in the backfield who could you could get behind you had an offensive line that was figuring things out a little bit more. You had explosive playmakers at different positions to build on that. And I think you'd had time to kind of get that moving forward. And Kenny Pickett was a, was a second year quarterback who was a guy who at least set a tone for what the offense should look like it, you know, on the times that they had hit. So yeah, I think that, I think that there's going to be some, uh, some interesting points for this offense to move forward. All right, before I get you out of here, Chris, I got to know your Super Bowl picks now that we're into the conference championship ha! weekend. Oh, Super Bowl picks. I got Ravens, Niners. Um, and I, the Ravens smacked up the Niners so hard. I have to think that the Niners are going to, I think the Niners are going to find a way to win it. Um, they're, they're both really complete rosters. Um, I, I think the Ravens caught them off guard with a few things. They'll find a way to fight back. I would really like to see Ravens. Or I, I really like to see the Lions in there. That I have so the fans many would go are, crazy. It would be. I have so many friends who are Lions fans who are like this whole process. I've been texting. Them. Shout out to my friend Jamie Cremines. Uh, she's we went to law school together, and 
she was in the stadium for the first playoff win. And she was like, I texted her and she, it was like an hour later. She texts back like, we're still here. Like no one's leaving. Like, like, like that kind of stuff is special. So like, as far as like seeing something amazing in sports, I'd love to see the lions win, but just if I'm picking with my head, I think Ravens Niners make it. They're the two most complete rosters. And I think the Niners have a little bit of payback for the Ravens for the way the Ravens dogged them earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, I pointed this out. It's as simple as the fact that I haven't been alive to see the Lions win a playoff game, let alone yep. now that they're into the NFC Championship game. And they've had a great home field advantage to this point in the playoffs too, which has been awesome to watch. And what's been a tortured fan base when we saw another tortured fan base with the Bills last night. But that was rough. Oh, uh, the conspiracy theorist in me still thinks that the Chiefs somehow get to the Super Bowl, <laughs> even though the offense has just been downright bad this season. Mm-hmm. But I do have the 49ers beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We will see. But I do think there's a huge difference between this week with the Ravens defense that's firing on all cylinders versus all of the injuries that Buffalo had to its yeah, defense. Absolutely. I think it's, I, it's no given. Like, I'm not, I, I'm never a person that, that comes out and says, like this is the the law, and this is definitely what's gonna what's gonna happen. Both of these teams are too, too talented. And listen, with all the problems the Chiefs have on 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 their offense, they still have the best quarterback in football. Like yep. like like even though Lamar Jackson will win, should should win MVP, and 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 I think that that's where it should go. Um, Patrick Mahomes is still ridiculous, and you have to you have to stop him at every turn, or he is going to kill you. And uh, I think that that's that's something you shouldn't discount. I got Ravens Niners, but. I wouldn't mind Chiefs Lions. That'd be a cool David versus Goliath story. <laughs> All of Detroit, and uh, you'd have Eminem versus Taylor Swift with the uh, the music off the field too. Your tweet <laughs> cracked me up, Chris, when I saw it. Where it's like who gets who draws the straw to get the oh. the Taylor Swift camera sh- oh, camera shot. That cracked me up, man. I, I had listen. I had some Swifties that was like, "What do you mean yeah. who draws the short straw for that?" I'm like, "Listen, I'm not saying no, no one likes. Her. I'm even saying it's cool that she likes that sport and people like that are tuning in for it. I'm not mad at that. All I'm saying is, if I'm the cameraman and my job was to was to just keep my eyes on Taylor Swift while these two dark juggernauts are duking it out on the football field, I'd be a little upset because I'm like, this is Bills Chiefs. That's the whole reason I became cameraman is to cover this guy." guy of a game and i gotta stare at a press box that was my only point her boyfriend but, was showing off yesterday too I'm just listen, saying travis I, I told people travis is not cooked it's just that good defenses were taking him away and saying patrick beat me with rasheed rice you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like like do 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 other things um so but but yeah i'm i'm excited though man these are some these, these are some great teams we've seen some great playoff football um and i think that uh I, I think it's gonna be really competitive i also am not of the opinion i'll ask you this question mark mm-hmm. People love to say every time there's a playoff team and your playoff team isn't in it, this team is so far away from becoming that team. I think the Steelers are a, an above-average game manager quarterback away from banging with all four of the teams that are in the conference championships right now. I think if you had a Jared Goff even, they would be – they would one, they don't lose to the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Colts during that stretch, which means with the, with the other game, they would have been better in their other games – they still probably lose to the Niners and the Texans and games like that. Um, but I think that that propels the team to, you know, to, to those wins. If they win those three games, that last game against Baltimore, not only for the division, it would be for the one seed. And like yeah. they would have been the team that could have been the tough team to the, the tough team to beat, make everyone come to Pittsburgh, play the style of ball. I don't think the Steelers are that far 
from being from being one of those teams. Now, the key is getting the quarterback is one of the hardest things to do in developing players in all sports. So in that job, that is a tough hill to climb. But it is I think it is mainly one hill, you know, offensive coordinator, you got to make the right hire that that is a hill itself. But personnel wise, they get a quarterback that can make plays and an offense that's just that's just efficient. Doesn't have to be elite, just efficient. That's still that Steelers team, the way it's constructed right now, as long as they, you know, TJ Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, Najee Harris, George Pickens, as long as all those guys are back next year, I, I think that this that the Steelers team with a with a decent with decent quarterback play and a good and, a, and an efficient offense are a serious contender. I'm with you, and maybe this is just the Yinzer perspective, but it's like there was no one in the AFC this year that struck total fear in nope. my heart. Nope. Because even the Bills, they won by two touchdowns with two turnovers. Like, like, and that was without TJ Watt. Like, like I was like, I, I even said that the Bills were probably the worst draw the Steelers could get of the three teams they could have played on the first game game of the playoffs. Mm. But I was also like, is if they can win the turnover, if the Steelers can win the turnover battle, they got a shot. They lost it, and they lost by by how many scores they turned the ball over by. So, uh. Again, I don't think they're that far. I wish we would have lived in a world where the Steelers would have somehow gotten out of the wild card round in that Baltimore matchup in the divisional round. And all the Ravens fans were like, oh, why are you celebrating? You beat our backups. And it's like, mm, Steelers have won seven of the last eight against Baltimore. And Balt- big. And look, they're the number one seed, first round by all that. I get it. But it felt different to me than compared to two years before in Roethlisberger's final season when you go and play Kansas City where it's like we have no shot. It felt different to me. It felt different to me. I'm with you. I'm with you. Chris, go ahead and plug whatever you need to. Uh, You are always terrific and always enjoy your coverage with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and then watching you on Locked On Steelers. But please feel free to take the floor and plug anything that you need to. Thank you so much, Mark. My name is Christopher Carter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and all my social media accounts at Carter Critiques. Uh, follow me there. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. Check me out on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and sometimes Saturday. It depends on what our schedule is. But every Monday through Friday, we got the Locked On Steelers podcast also. Channel 11 WPXI here in Pittsburgh whenever we're breaking things down. I wear all the hats, Mark. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they've figured out a way to clone you, Chris. <laughs> that's, that's my secret. Thank you so much for Christopher Carter. I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for watching Believe in Steelers. Be back later this week with Ike Taylor. Take care. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.